0: To wrap up this series of podcasts featuring uh, various voices from Dr. McLennan Weir of the CIDNY to Mr. Uh, Co-President Joseph McDonald of ICDNYC, I wanted to save the most closest to home as the conclusion of the series because I feel like that, you know, I hate this saying it saved the best for last, but I'll save. I'll say I want to save the roots of my. Uh, oh, and Joe Salonica as well. He joined in during the week to talk about Spina Bifida and the National Disability Employment Awareness Month from Viscardi. And I'm going to go back to Viscardi in just a moment to talk with its new president, Chris Rosa. But first, I wanted to play for you what the. U.S. Department of Labor's video, honoring National Disability Employment Awareness Month,
1: I had to say. Every day, people with disabilities can and do add value to America's workplaces and economy. Each October, during National Disability Employment Awareness Month, or Endeme, we celebrate the contributions of these workers with disabilities. We also reaffirm our commitment to ensuring all Americans, including Americans with disabilities, can put their skills and talents to work. Reflecting the important role disability plays in workforce diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility, the theme for Ending 2022 is disability, part of the equity equation. Indeed, a disability-inclusive workforce is a strong workforce, and today, More and more leading employers across the U.S. are realizing this and reaping clear, bottom line benefits as a result. Specifically, companies identified as leaders in disability inclusion had, on average, over a four-year period, 28% higher revenue, double the net income, and 30% higher economic profit margins than their counterparts. NDEAM is an annual opportunity to educate people about these benefits celebrate progress made, and most importantly, commit to building a stronger, more equitable, and inclusive workforce going forward. It is led by the U.S. Department of Labor's Office of Disability Employment Policy, or ODEP. Each year, ODEP works closely with partner organizations, including those representing employers, people with disabilities and their families, and government agencies, to develop a theme and assist organizations in participating. This includes developing and distributing an annual poster. But the real spirit of Ending lies at the grassroots level with activities and observances in workplaces and communities across the country. Employers of all sizes and in all industries are encouraged to take part as are educators and youth service professionals, business associations, labor unions and disability advocacy organizations. How can your organization take part? There are lots of ways. Visit dol.gov slash for inspiration. There, you'll find concrete ideas for event planning and resources such as newsletter articles, press releases, proclamations, and social media content. And while on the site, be sure to order your free NDEAM poster, which is available in both English and Spanish. The Campaign for Disability Employment also offers a variety of resources that can help in planning and deem activities, including videos and discussion guides. To access them, visit whatcanyoudocampaign.org. However you choose to participate, and deem is a great time to celebrate and educate. It's a time to reflect and reaffirm. It's a time to emphasize the importance of ensuring all Americans can gain skills and put them to work for the good of themselves, their families, their communities, and our nation's economy. It's a time to recognize that disability is part of the equity equation. Well, my next guest is someone I've been waiting to have on, even I guess before the
0: the Viscardi connection came about, but I've known him for about 10 years, I feel like, or more. Chris Rosa, we went, you know, I got to know you at Queens College, now you're the president at the Viscardi Center, and It's funny, I feel like we've grown more in your Viscardi role than, because I wasn't around you at Queens College there, but here we are.
2: Uh, No, it's been my honor and privilege to call you my partner and friend all these years, Alex, and um, thank you for all the help you've always given all New Yorkers with disabilities and amplifying our voice and message. Um, The the days at Queens College were really important to me, um, particularly the work there with the Queens College Committee for Disabled Students. Where I think I first acquired a real appreciation of disability community and culture, and I still take those same lessons to work with me here every day, uh, and try to put those lessons to work on behalf of the people we serve at the Viscardi Center.
0: All right, this is year one and a half for you. How's this half of the semester going?
2: Uh, almost, I, I'm in my tenth month of work, oh. uh, and so um, up. So it's been a really, uh, I, I think perspective-altering year. I've The Viscardi Center and the Henry Viscardi School have always loomed large in my consciousness as a, a lifelong New Yorker with a disability. Um, if you live in this area, you understand that Viscardi is a remarkable transformative place, um, which, which really sets kids and adults with disabilities on path for independence and meaningful careers and um, so the notion that uh, that circumstances would just unfold where I could throw my hat in the ring and be considered to be the president and CEO is still a very humbling thing to me.
0: All right. I talked to Joe Salonico just a few days ago, and he said that the, the legacy of Viscardi, the goals of Dr. Viscardi are alive and well at the Viscardi Center. Can you expand on that? Like, how are you guys alive and well in the adult employment, if you will, you know, getting people employed with the uh adults with disabilities as well as kids in the school how how alive and well are we here
2: well i i think and i'm glad that joe said that i feel i feel that we are absolutely thriving in those core values and and uh, foundational strands of our mission uh to put it in perspective uh um as you know alex uh dr viscardi was really a precursor to the modern disability rights movement um he was born at a time, you know, during the Great Depression, uh, when access and opportunity were not realistic for most Americans with disabilities. Uh, and after uh, persevering and and actually making it in business and industry, uh, he realized that he had a higher purpose and a higher calling, and he puts the he put those lessons uh, to work, uh, to create something new and different, uh, uh a social for-profit enterprise where, um, he bought, he, uh, pitched this idea to prospective investors. He pulled the resources of investors and, um, he was able to buy a garage in West Hempstead. Uh, he outfitted it, uh, Through those investors to make it into a shop floor. And then he went out and he recruited 30 people with disabilities who were previously regarded as unemployable. And he put them to work in contracts with leading Long Island employers, General Electric, Grumman, um, and others. And uh, in that first year, uh, he was able to turn a $48,000 profit after paying off all of the creditors. And within five years, he expanded that workforce to 300 people with disabilities and they had an annual profit of more than a million dollars. And that's that kind of uh, entrepreneurial spirit, uh, that ethic of inclusion and that commitment to empowering people with disabilities through the promise of work uh, is, is at the heart of our mission And it's very alive and well here at the Viscardi Center uh, today. Each and every uh, year, we work with more than 300 leading employers um, from around the nation to put uh, New Yorkers with disabilities to work. And in terms of the entrepreneurial spirit, Alex, um, we're proud that Viscardi uh, is the home of uh, the um, National Institute for Disability Entrepreneurship. Uh, where we work with enterprising entrepreneurs with disabilities to take their concept and to bring their idea to to fruition to market.
0: Well, you know, it, it hit me when we were at the golf outing, right? It hit me that Biscardi's beyond the brick walls of and those historic brick walls of of Albertson, Long Island. You guys have really gone national, and you just reinstated that point right here.
2: It's it's really true, and um and. We're proud, not only for the Disability Entrepreneurship Initiative uh, to have uh, a national impact, um, but also, as you know, our public policy efforts led by our public policy chair, uh, your fellow alumnus, uh, Judge Rob Papilla. um, We're involved in coalition with leading disability advocacy organizations to work on developing public policy on a national level that ultimately we think will improve employment opportunities for people with disabilities. And, um, and we're international in our impact through the Henry Viscardi Achievement Awards, where we work to identify um, leaders and activists with disabilities from around the globe who are empowering people with disabilities in their home countries and raising a global consciousness of the int- of the international impact that they're making on social justice for people with disabilities worldwide.
0: All right. Well, I love to hear that we're international. I mean, Sports Night is also a great glimpse. And as I saw at the golf outing, you guys are, are partnering. I, mean, I saw Delta there. You guys have big companies coming through the halls of Ascardi. And what's that mean to you in now your 10th tent- Month there, what what does that mean to you, Uh, and and how do you grow from the the companies we have and and continue to encourage more to join us?
2: Well, it's heartening for me, Alex, because when Fortune 1,000 companies like Delta align their brand with that of of Viscardi and the Viscardi Center, um, it means that they understand the value proposition that Viscardi has historically offered to our community. That they're looking, they see brand alignment there, which is very heartening for us, that a leading company like Delta uh, would be interested in in partnering with us. But it's more than just getting a halo um, from their uh, association with us. They're committed to uh, building a truly inclusive and diverse workforce. And they understand that we have candidates who are talented and are eager to work. And to their credit as a leading employer, they're looking to have a truly diverse and inclusive workforce that includes our graduates.
0: Now, what was cool is you also had a summit, I believe, of the the CUNY system. I mean, I don't know if you wanna talk about this, but the fact that you're able to delve into the college world from your Queens College experience, Chris Rose is a Queens College alumnus, by the way, but that also is huge. So tell us about that experience.
2: Well, Thank you. I I appreciate you you acknowledging that work. Um, As you know, Alex, I do come from higher education, my alma mater like yours is is queens college and my up till coming to viscardi i had 28 years of leadership experience at the city university of new york system part of the reason why i think i was a the our board thought that i would be a good fit to lead viscardi is that at this critical moment um the viscardi center and the board was focusing on uh post secondary success of of people who come through the viscardi doors And that had been my my sweet spot for almost three decades. And um, I've been proud to leverage those relationships in pursuit of more meaningful and seamless transition to post-secondary education and training for our Henry Viscardi School graduates and also for the participants that come through our Abilities Incorporated programs and the Viscardi Center itself. So um, we hosted uh, a meeting of, Uh, the disability service directors of the 25 uh, schools in the CUNY system here at the Viscardi Center, as well as representatives from Nassau and Suffolk Community College. We brought them all together for their summer retreat, the opportunity for them to reset both emotionally and, and conceptually as they prepare to be refreshed and renewed to serve the college students with disabilities on their campuses. We agreed to host them in the beautiful setting, as you know, uh, here in the country, in Albertson, uh, a very green and um, just very uh, affirming place to be. With Spacious students, also, I would say
0: very spacious. Very,
2: very spacious. And the quid pro quo was, um, you're welcome to be our guest. Please set aside a couple of hours so that our current Viscardi students and our alumni can come in and have one-on-one FaceTime to talk about college opportunities. And um, so there were some really powerful discussions. Uh, I was very heartened to see that um, some of those conversations actually resulted in college admissions. Um, and uh, and then I forgot we, about it that. It
0: became like a college fair, right? Oh, it was sorry. quite literally
2: a, a, a mini college fair with a captive audience uh, wow. for our Viscardi students. And for some of them, it, it was converted to college admissions. Um, uh, we had one student this fall starting uh, at Nassau Community College, which I think is a direct result of the connection that they made there. And for the the sophomores and juniors who attended, I think it'll raise their aspirations and get them ahead of the curve as they do college exploration.
0: Well, you know, I want to say, because this is a critical age, 18 to 24 is an age where everybody's kind of, in that age group, they're kind of been, at least, I guess, in the embody world, they're used to working from home now, right? They don't, Many don't want to roll up their sleeves anymore, yet here you got these hardworking kids with disabilities who want to do something. So how crucial of a time is it now that Biscardi's there between 18 and 24, providing even success after college? I think we think about it as like milestones in the disabled community. Okay, graduated high school, graduated college. But sometimes there's no forward thinking, yet here you are saying, let's have that forward thinking after college.
2: And I think your 18 to 24-year-old um, observation is really critical. As you mentioned, it's a key, uh, for all of us, you and me, it was a key developmental stage in in becoming civically engaged, socially conscious adults. Um, when you look at our Viscardi students, Henry Viscardi School students, their peers, their age appropriate peers, their friends, their neighbors, their cousins, their brothers and sisters, um, more often than not, they're in college right now. And they ha- our, our students have the same goals, dreams, and aspirations as they do. And um, I think that getting those students to the opportunity to explore college can be really catalytic as they start to develop um, lives of independence and and pathways to meaningful careers. And it's interesting, you mentioned work from home. Um, for a lot of the students, and you know that they were your classmates, as you know, Alex, a lot of our students have underlying medical fragility, which makes a daily commute like the one that you do, um, maybe not readily attainable for everyone. But the greater openness by leading companies to working from home to hybrid work has really been transformational to employment opportunities for people with disabilities. The latest data that we've seen from the U.S. Department of Labor bears that out. While there's been a slight dip in workforce participation rate among Americans with disabilities, which in and of itself is not terribly concerning because there's been an overall dip in workforce participation by all Americans. People with disabilities in general are mirroring that. Yet the employment rate has, has is up, um, you know, three to five points, depending upon how you measure it. And to me, that is a direct impact of not only greater readiness for work by people with disabilities, but a greater openness to um, remote work, um, which allows people with disabilities to leverage the natural supports. For, uh, for work that are already present in their homes. Um, and so while I think we all agree that in a perfect world, getting back out there in a truly inclusive workspace is best for everyone, um, for, the, for those people for whom it's a real challenge, having uh, remote work as an option, um, really gives them an additional opportunity to join the new American workforce. And, as the, and and as the commercial which i think is hysterical from upworks reminds us the old way of working is dead we got uh, to think about new ways to approach work
0: all right well chris i want to talk about your journey in being you know employed and then rising up to leadership role but i mean you're employed and and god bless that but talk about having that disability component if you will through your time uh, you know from from 18 to now i mean Obviously, it's impacted you, but I like to say we didn't really see that because we only saw the fun side of Chris, the, the like the yeah. the outgoing side of Chris.
2: You know, sure. well, I mean, uh, it it has certainly impacted my understanding of the lived experiences of people with disabilities as they seek competitive employment, um, understanding wh- where the obstacles are and what the barriers are to to competitive employment and to you know social mobility. Uh, I think that to be honest with you, with all the all the scholarship I've done in higher ed and all the policy work, at the end of the day, I, I think that the 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 learning that best positions me to empower other people are my own struggles, um, you know, with with uh, discrimination, exclusion, and structural barriers that really inhibit. Uh, you know, like your your transition to competitive employment. To this day, I'll tell you that the the worst mistake I ever made um, was an era of omission rather than commission. Um, when I when I graduated Queens College, went to grad school, and got my first job offer to be the director of disability services at Queens College, I I eagerly signed on the dotted line to come back home to my alma mater and make a difference. And I got no benefits counseling. Um, it wasn't readily available at that time. And I didn't realize how, how critical my Medicaid eligibility would be to my ability to keep sustaining my independence going forward. Um, I didn't really discern that my Medicaid would be important for paying for home health care, which would be important for me to be able to get dressed and get up and go to work each and every day. And the absence of that foresight really set me back. I never stopped working, but I always felt like basically I was working to pay for my home care. And it wasn't until I was able to achieve more senior leadership roles that I was finally able to buy myself out of that mistake and live a solidly middle-class existence. But now, like I make sure that everybody that I encounter in Viscardi gets benefits counseling through our WIPA project here at the Biscardi Center through our partners and independent living centers. Um, but but that's that was a painful and very valuable life lesson.
0: Uh, WIPA, just say that well, what's that stand for exactly?
2: I I I I apologize for my ignorance, but it's a it's work incentives and then I forget the PA. But basically it's a it's a project through the Social Security Administration which provides benefits counseling to SSI and SSDI recipients um, when they explore work to make sure that they're able to retain within the realm of the possible key benefits that are important to their independent living.
0: To your point, and we're heading into November, and I know the work of the Viscardi Center doing this kind of awareness of disability employment never stops. I mean, that's one of the core values that Viscardi Dr. Viscardi started the center with. Um, But to your point, people with disabilities might be afraid to look for work because, all right, they want to be competitive. They want to be out there. They want to be in the running, if you will. But here they are having to have a limit of $500 or so to maintain just programs for AIDS and and for necessities. I mean, can can, can these conversations change the movement? I feel like it could, but what do you think?
2: I mean, I think that first of all, um, it's it's important that we educate each other about the asset limits uh, for key benefits. And then what are the work incentive programs that allow you to keep working and keep earning and yet not have your income or asset accumulation disqualify you from the very benefits and services that you need to get out of bed, get dressed and go to work. And they, they exist those resources, but at this point, uh, the programs are, are not widely known, and we need to do a better job about educating each other on how to leverage it. And then we have to join the national dialogue about public policy reform to, to, to make sure that we develop public policies that are rational when it comes to people with disabilities that don't consign them to lives of poverty in order to get the care that they need. We're all Americans. We believe in the power, the transformative power of work. And we believe in the American dream that you work hard, you get educated, you do the right thing and you take your rightful place um, among the American middle-class. And right now that doesn't work for, for Americans with disabilities because of these work disincentives. We need a, a more rational um, public policy set uh, around those key resources for people with disabilities.
0: Now, I know that Viscardi has some stats on, on what accomplishments are going on, but what is the workforce, you know, employment kind of success that you guys have through these different programs you're feeding, uh, people with disabilities through?
2: I mean, we, we have, when it comes to the people that we serve uh, through Viscardi, we're, we're placing people at more than twice the national employment rate. So your chances uh, of, of getting placed in competitive employment more than double? when, when you work with, uh, you know, our programs at the Viscardi Center. Um, And uh, when it comes to, and we also serve, by the way, uh, veterans, um, military uh, servicemen and women, and we're placing those individuals at a a rate of 81%. So, uh, so the, the, uh, the value proposition is high. You know, people forget,
0: well, I shouldn't say they forget, they more focus on the homelessness and the and that's a big issue too in America for veterans. But you're just reminding me, hey, there are resources out there and, and uh,
2: you guys talking about it is so important because- and, and, and it's a perfect bridge from what you're highlighting, Alex, National Disability Employment Awareness Month to November when we're all gonna be pointed towards Veterans Day and honoring the contributions that our servicemen and women work to contribute to our freedom, our liberty, and the richness of American life and making sure that we provide meaningful career opportunities for our servicemen and women nobody offers uh, a more, a richer more grounded understanding of what it means to be a leader uh than servicemen and women and what company or or agency wouldn't love to have uh real leaders uh advancing their their mission
0: absolutely now i we talk about biscardi as school for kids with disabilities for many decades been the physical disabilities. but what advice to those with the invisible disabilities might you have? Because there are those out there struggling with whatever they're going, you know, not just what's the seen but unseen. What's your advice to those that may be discriminated against also? Uh,
2: I mean, I think it's a, a very good question. Um, by far, the fastest growing segment of the American disability community are individuals with hidden disabilities with non-apparent disabilities. Um, and uh, I think the, the guidance I can offer is that you're part of a large national community that is literally redefining what it means to be a person with a disability in contemporary American life in the most empowering terms, that you have rights and protections as an individual with a disability, and that there are entities like the Viscardi Center that are deeply committed to helping you to claim your right to reasonable accommodations, to take your rightful place at school and in the new American workforce.
0: I love that. Uh, Chris, I want to know more of your story, though, because we've kind of touched on the surface of the muscular dystrophy, and now you've had this since birth, and you have a brother also, Um, but maybe people don't know the story of Chris Rosa, so take us inside the early life as well, because look, um, you're here today, but that's because of your family, right? Your parents were there from the beginning.
2: It's true. I uh, I mean I I was diagnosed with uh, muscular dystrophy at age nine, um, and I've been using a, a wheelchair since I was twelve years old. I'm fifty five now, so it's a lot of years in the saddle for me. Um, uh, my brother John also has muscular dystrophy, um, and he is a, he works as a higher ed administrator as well. Um, uh, I I think I mentioned this to you, Alex, but sometimes it's just better to be lucky than good, and my brother and I were, were really blessed uh, with parents who didn't necessarily see themselves as disability rights advocates because um, it sort of predated the full flourishing of the modern disability rights movement, but they were fiercely determined that their kids were going to have every opportunity that every other kid who went to my school had. And um, I was the timing was perfect. I entered kindergarten right when the IDEA was first signed into law that was the first uh federal uh disability rights law that provided a free and appropriate education to kids with disabilities in the most in the most inclusive setting and um my my parents refused to be denied and they they leveraged that new law to make sure that um I had uh, the most rigorous education possible. I was educated uh, in all New York City public educational institutions from PS 163 in Queens to IS 237 in Flushing to Francis Lewis High School uh, and now to Queens College and the CUNY Graduate Center. So I'm, I'm a proud uh, product of New York City's public education uh, e- infrastructure at Enterprise. And um Uh, you know, it it made all the difference. I'm a big believer in the transformative power of education. Um, I sort of a a living, breathing example of that. Um, And uh, I, you know, I've been very, very lucky. And I think that the the most important thing that ever happened to me for my career was going to Queens College and um, stumbling into the Committee for Disabled Students, the first ever advocacy group that I ever encountered run by and for people with disabilities. Um, I found my tribe, I found my people, I found my culture and my community. And that set me on a path that ultimately led me to the Viscardi Center, where every day I find my tribe, I find my people, and we work together to educate, employ, and empower people with disabilities.
0: Uh, Personally, do you ever have down days? Because as I told Joe, you both are very, upbeat guys you never let anything stop you but i mean the down days you have to still have some here and there and how do you get through it and and you know i like to say we're heading into a season of sort of not depression but it's called the seasonal uh, like sadness kind of i forget the Uh. acronym but it's sad basically yeah seasonal
2: disorder um I, i i mean i think like everyone else you have your moments i find that um that whatever sadness i have is often uh tied to uh the, the the wish that I, in cooperation with a- advocates like you, could have an impact um, more quickly um, mm-hmm. but, I, and this is not pandering, I mean every day, Alex, I enter my office and as you know, I roll past the perfectly preserved office of Dr. Viscardi and on those tough days, I peer in and I'm reminded of just by sheer force of will, what he was able to to wrought on behalf of Americans with disabilities. And with that, you know, living reminder of his legacy, it's hard to feel anything other than inspired. So um, I'm very fortunate to have that.
0: And what I love about you, man, is that, you know, the alumni, not by just name, you know, us by face. I feel like, you know, there were people that I talked to, like, I know, Chris, and I'm like, he wasn't really involved back then. How do you know? you know? So you go, you outreach beyond well, the borders of Queens College
2: as well. Well, the, to your point, Alex, I mean, Viscardi alumni are the heart of the disability community in New York. And that that's my tribe. The, you are my people. So, uh, you know, I came to know you and your stories as as just fellow activists in the disability community, even before I necessarily knew your Viscardi pedigree, but now that I get to see you, I'm not surprised. You know, you find a strong advocate with a strong voice. They have a Viscardi connection somewhere. I'm confident of it.
0: And I talked to other organizations as well as part of this Disability Employment Awareness Week. I'm like, you know, Viscardi. Like, yeah, we know Viscardi. I'm like, all right, we're we are connected. We, I, I know we're competing because Long Island is different than the city, but we're all connected in in one. One thousand ways or another if you will. it's
2: really it's really true, and it's nice to to know and to hear and appreciate that Viscardi remains at the very heart of our community and our movement in this region
0: and then one last thing well, I gotta ask about Kermit because he's just sitting there hanging out uh yeah. uh is that like from childhood like no, i I,
2: I wish somebody sent it to me, but I find that it's i one of the joys Alex is to have my door open so that. Students from the Henry Viscardi School can just pop in and say hello, and I can get to know them and I find that for the kindergarten kids, especially it's it's nice to have Kermit there to help to maybe to get them to relax a little bit and feel at home. We both love Kermit, we both acknowledge that it is not easy being green all the time, and uh it's a great way to connect
0: all right I'm glad i i go I'm glad you mentioned it that way because my last question is. You do look at the kids, and you think of the alumni, and like you try and bridge the gap. You're there. You've taken the mantle. So how do you bridge that gap from kindergarten to twelfth grade and make sure everybody feels
2: included? Uh, it's it's a challenge. I mean, but the good news is that the legacy that I've inherited from Dr. Viscardi, he was a master at meeting people where they are, and uh, and I remind myself, don't don't overthink it, Chris. Just try to meet people where they are in the arc of their consciousness and in the arc of their development and in their hopes and dreams. The cool thing about meeting the kindergarten kids is I'm, I am 55, God willing. Uh, I get to know them as kindergartners, and I'll see them in 12 years when they roll across the stage and get their diplomas oh, and then help them to transition to college or work. That's my goal.
0: Well, it is sort of like you, you watch them grow up. It's, it's something else. All right, Chris. Dr. Rosa, I should say. You are a doctor. Uh,
2: thanks, Alex. And thanks for always being so good to me.
0: Well, thanks for always including me in this whole thing. And I'm glad we finally got you on this podcast. I'm Alex Garrett, where we're always adapting. Yes, go Irish this weekend, you know. Well, they went and they beat Syracuse. Uh, on, about, on, on a different note, though. Thank you. To all of those that joined to talk about the National Disability Employment Awareness Month, we must continue that awareness into November. And that was kind of the theme, wasn't it? That we don't just stop here, we keep going. Because at Alex Garrett Podcasting, we're always adapting. Have a great night.